I didn't know you visited 200 schools between 2017 and 2018. It's uh, got a minute ahead of the pandemic. That was thinking. <laughs> Merci- in fact, the pandemic mercifully ended it. It became it was a it was diminishing returns, and uh, it was it was great. It, it was it was one of the positive, <laughs> of which there were not many, uh, but one of the one of the positive uh, uh, effects of the pandemic was it stopped. I, I had overcommitted. And it was like, I wasn't getting writing done. I was, you know, I, I just, I just got so excited about, you know, doing the, doing school visits because it's so much fun. And, uh, and uh, I just, like I said, I, uh, I uh, bit off more than I could chew. And it was really mercifully uh, when the pandemic shut everything down, I got to stop doing that. 200 uh, visits. Yeah, I did over a hundred in 2018, over a hundred. I, I just, uh, because I wanted to. Yeah, but that's almost like a teaching job at that point. Yeah, but it's, it's, it is like a teaching job, but it's a little different. And, and in fact, you know, I, you, I learned so much because um, I got to go a hundred different schools. So it's not like a hundred days in a school where you would actually be a, a teacher or an educational professional, but I, you know, I visited every type of school and, and, you know, from, you know, uh, you know, inner, inner cities to, uh, you know, private schools on the coast. And, uh, and, and it was really, you know, you learn a lot because you see people in the same group of people interested in the same general, you know, kids books, but in, uh, in, in 100 or 200 uh, different, very different settings. And, uh, uh, my uh, thing I, I told uh, I told my friends or I told uh, people is no matter what you can go to the most you know uh, you know busy struggling crowded inner city school or the most tawny private school or the most you know idyllic little you know na- you know small school and when you take a picture there's always some jerky kid who. Uh, who makes a face. And I'm trying to think, it was 2017, there was some dance. I've now already forgotten about it, but there was some, there was some gesture that that had had spread the internet. And in every, every time you take a photo with the kids, there was always some boy, usually a boy, you know, in the crowd who right before, you know, one, two, three, and then he did some dance move. I I don't know if it came from Fortnite or it was the 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 doogie or it was something I, I I've, I've forgotten the name but and that made me think all is going to be all right in the in the universe because everybody's the same there's always that kid and I remember and then I'll get off this there's I remember when the we I had this one one of my favorite best school visits of which there they are few and far between that are this good that you know it was a an all book all school one book visit and it had hundreds of kids dressed up like characters in one of the books. And, and again, rarely, rarely happens. But, uh, you know, 400 kids and we all got together at the end for a class picture and they went one, two, three. And some kid in the front did his, struck the pose and the, the principal of the school leaned over and whispered in my ear, I really hate that kid. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> but 
but it's it it is reassuring, you know, when you hear the people, you know, it's built into the DNA. People people are the same, and 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 uh, leading into Middle Green Ninja, and everybody loves characters and their adventures and stories, regardless of the format. And uh, you know, ultimately, you know, you think about a, a you know movie number forty seven in the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where once again they are wrecking the city, and nobody's going to clean up. That's why they get to be super. That's the best part of being a superhero is you don't have to clean up afterwards. And and at the end of the day, you remember the name of the characters, you know, because that's really what's important. I feel like this is this is too good. That we, we should call this the start of the show if that's all right. Okay. Uh, yeah. I uh, like you said. Uh, you know, the dogs are sedated, and uh, I'm I'm wound up and ready to go. So, uh, hi there, esteemed audience. Uh, welcome. My my guest today is R. U. Gins, Russell Gins, Russell Gins, Russell Gins. Writing as R. U. Gins, which is an excellent question. Are you Gins, author of the new terrifying, hilarifying book, uh, One, Two, Three, Scream. So get your copy. So you must have um, some kind of rapport with a principal if he's leaning over to you and telling you uh, which children he just like. No, it was just, it just came up because, like I said, there's always one kid. And by the way, if you're a teacher, and I believe this to be a truth, 80 to 90% of your time and energy is about dealing with that that one kid. I call him Nolan. You know, I don't know. The names are changed to protect the innocent. But most people have no idea what teachers do and and how much work it is. You know, that's why it it makes me crazy when I hear people who are not teachers criticizing teachers uh, because they have no idea what a teacher does and how much work is not. You know getting an apple from the student and pointing to a chalkboard, teaching the letters of the alphabet or, or sense diagram. It's, it's all getting kids to be able to care about learning, you know? And to that point, there's always Nolan, that one kid who takes up 90% of uh, a teacher or a librarian's uh, uh, time. And then the teacher winds up doing so much of their lesson planning after school or on vacation or at midnight, because in class, you're just trying to get to what's important, which is engaging your engaging your learners. When you come in, I watched uh, some of your presentations online for Samantha Spinner, and you come out with your red umbrella and you you played the song. You wrote the, the, the theme song, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. All about the theme song. I think that's why I'm doing everything just to, to get to do the theme songs. <laughs> when you're uh, when you're when you're when you're doing the presentation and and the Nolan kid the rotten kid uh, tries to make mischief like being heckled at a comedy club, well, how do you how do you deal with those kids? Oh, one, I've never done stand up comedy. Uh, I can't imagine anything harder. And no, I think I've overstated the rotten kid. I was more speaking about my appreciation for teachers because I get to you know when you're an author and you visit a school and it could be you know three kids in a library or one kid in a in an independent bookstore who shows up uh you, you're a rock star you know you get to it's your chance to connect so i think i may have overstated uh uh the bad kid i was more 
about there's always that one kid in the crowd in, in a big crowd uh, torturing the teacher. But no, there I I have had zero uh, bad experiences uh, with a with a kid in the crowd because when you're when you get to visit a school and you're an author, you've already everybody's already won because the teachers get a break, the kids get to go do something that's not normal. And so you're already, everybody's already won. Everybody's excited. And the librarian who usually sets it up or the reading specialist gets a moment in their in their otherwise uh, occupied week where everyone says, hey, books are important. Reading is important. You're going to visit an author because writing and reading is important. So when you get to go in and do a school visit, you know, regardless of 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 the scale or, or the setup, you you've already won, and uh, you know just to uh, basically uh, you know shake a kid and you know by presentation you know say hey everybody storytelling is a job storytelling is a worthwhile activity reading is something that's really cool or you know stories and characters so 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 no I I, I never get heckled. And if, uh, although it's really important, here's my single most important advice to anybody who goes, uh, does uh, presentations with more than three kids, um, always say, what's the sign for, sh for being quiet? I was going to say shutting up. What's, what's, uh, what's, what's the symbol? Because almost, or I think every school has their, you know, this is, you know, Hoover's quiet, or this is, uh, you know, Panthers silence, you know, whatever. Every school has the symbol. I think it's frequently, you know, put up a finger or something, you know, have to do something that somebody else isn't going to claim ownership or offense to. But uh, there's always a, you know, put up, put up your hand and everybody gets quiet. So I always, you, you, you know, when you get in front of the crowd, everybody's excited because they got out of class and the teachers are delighted because they can go out and, you know, talk to each other. And uh, in fact, uh, teachers talking in the back is a lot more of a problem than kids heckling in the front. But, uh, but the, so my, my author visit tip is always you get in front of the kids and you say, Hey, everybody, what's the sign, you know, to be quiet. And they all get all excited because now we're, we're sharing, you know, we're exchanging ideas and they're all delighted to tell you, in, you know, shut up or you know or you know uh, you know burns park elementary be quiet and uh, and everybody gets quiet and then later you do that and uh so that's the there's no it's, i forget who taught me that uh uh but uh, that is an important tip for visiting schools i love when the sign is the l for listen because of course that i always grew up with it it was also l for loser oh <laughs> yeah put it right yeah. there <laughs> yeah and especially you know i'm so you know and, and again i i've never had any bad experience or blowback or anything but yeah you do wonder like does this mean you know doom in you know you're dead in australia is this the gang that they just ran out of town used to give this you know so you gotta i i never had to worry about that but it is a is a funny thought. I think um, now I'm old. I remember President Bush, the first President Bush. He went to Australia, and I remember reading or hearing uh, he gave the peace sign to a crowd of people, and a bunch of people went because <gasps> apparently that's something bad in Australia. 
better than when he threw up on the prime minister was yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah but 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 again i i think about little things things like that because but but again uh no this the school visits have, are nothing but joy and uh and i i i've never had a a, a bad experience and that's why i signed up to do way too many and uh thank you in this one incident thank you covid for uh for shutting that off uh, or slowing that down, you know, and now I'm going back and I, and I just do a very few. Now I tell people I'm just do, I do local visits for f- friends and family, or if you ask really, really nice, because, uh, you know, you can, you can, and, and maybe we'll get to this in our, in our author discussion, you can wind up being a free marketing uh, uh, employee of a company uh, instead of an author, because what company doesn't want to say, yeah, I'll, this guy will go help you sell sell your product for free day and night, you know, which is a big part uh, of being an author, but you can overdo it. And I think I fell a little bit into that crap when in 2017 or 2018, when I said, sure, I'll run into 200 schools and, and do presentations because it, 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 it can distract you from storytelling, sitting in the chair and writing, things like that. Were you at least charging an honorarium to bring in? I, 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 I do now. And I did, but I got I got so excited. I was I was I was just doing it a lot. And uh, now I, I still don't want to because there's so many places that can't do it as much. Uh, so I don't. And again, you know, you can make the mistake of if you don't charge anything, people don't value you. And uh, so you got to be careful because you do have to charge or say, hey, uh, you know, buy buy a dozen books or buy a thousand books or, or whatever. I think you, you have to do that. Cause I, I did, that was another, uh, at, you know, 2017 mistake where I was just, you know, not that it's not great to give it away and just, you know, give back or get kids excited because it, you are getting publicity, you are getting your, your book out there, but definitely if you don't charge at all, people don't, don't value you when they're, they're standing out in front of uh, the train station in Manhattan, giving away little packets of Advil on tax day. People take it and whether or not they're ever going to open that packet of Advil, you know, because it was free. And I think you can, uh, you can, you know, if you don't, if you don't charge uh, seriously, if you don't charge, then the school won't do as much. They won't build it up. They won't tell kids about it and, and, and uh, as much. And I mean, I think that's probably true of absolutely everything up to, you know, if you charge someone, you know, at Tiffany's, you know, $28,000 for a, 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 a little gem because you've told them it's valuable. So people want people, you know. I need to start charging for this podcast. It sounds like <laughs> absolutely you could have made could have made a couple hundred bucks off of me. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, um, I, I do wonder sometimes when you're doing um, school visits or any kind of in person visit in in our modern age where you could hop online, and I saw a lot of this during the the pandemic. Um, not one nice thing. Not there is no nice thing about the pandemic. We all wish it had not happened. We. It would have been better not to have happened, but because it did happen, there were, I think this show flourished in part because there were so many authors looking for a way to promote their stories and they, they weren't able to do those in-person uh, events. They were able to come and, and, and talk to me. 
um, which was nice. And I, I wonder sometimes when you go and you do those in-person visits, uh, as wonderful as that is, if you do a, a, an event like this or you go online, you, you, you write a post, you make a video, you write a song for your book and, and people can play it at their leisure whenever they want you're going to reach far more eyeballs than you can contain in any one uh, school gymnasium most of the time. How much does that factor into your decision when you're deciding what type of marketing event should you do? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I would say, uh, yeah, now that the world is on, on zoom and it's no longer unusual. And, you know, there's a, you know, that, that uh, I, few authors, you know, can take the time to get on a, a bus or a plane or a train or a car or a bicycle and and go to a, a thousand miles away. And then especially if it's a small group of, you know, a class, a reading club or a, or a classroom with nine kids in Minot, North Dakota, and you're living, nothing wrong with Minot, North Dakota, but if you're living in Washington, D.C., uh, it you just, you can't be done. And so that immediately uh, it can do it. And you know, there's, there's probably other factors. I think there's a lot of, you know, I'm, you, me, a lot of people I know are just love to talk in front of kids and rattle on about what's in their head. And a not a lot of authors, that's not their skill and especially illustrators. And uh, it's now they can do it. So I think uh, it, it's normalized author visits in a, in a way that didn't exist a couple of years ago, but it endangers uh, making it less special as well. There's, there's nothing, uh, as just like live music. Now everybody has Spotify and you can listen to exactly what you want whenever you want. But I recently, and especially when, you know, you're an adult, you get out of the habit of going and hearing a live musician and there's just nothing like it. I went and saw Dar Williams, uh, uh, a couple, a couple nights ago, and I knew every song, you know, but but seeing a musician playing and hearing, it's it's uh, transporting. And uh, similarly, there is not, there's nothing the same as meeting a creator in person who does stuff that maybe you know you read a book when you're on your own, you watch a video all the time on your phone, but but it, it's different. It is genuinely different. But uh, it's a special, just like before. You, you can't. You know, unless you're a a, a celebrity or, or a performer, that's your job. Uh, you know, it's not it's it's not and shouldn't be your core business. And I do think that uh, in 2018, while I was sort of not serious, but saying that that um, COVID, you know, took saved me from that because I did spiral into I was having so much fun telling this telling jokes and engaging kids and harvesting their ideas, which we'll get back to. Uh, 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 it, it's, it, it, can, it can be a, 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 a distraction, there you go. And battling distraction for many of us all writers, I don't know about you, is probably the single greatest challenge as far as create, get, finishing your book. Uh, and uh, so there's that, but... Um, you're an ambassador when you visit a school. You are promoting being creative and storytelling, not just, you know, everybody's creating stuff and a lot of it's awesome, but the vast majority of it is, is watching someone fall off a bicycle or, or in a little window talking while somebody's playing a video game. And I think uh, whether it's books or 
create designing games, making games, recording music, performing music. That is the that is the greatest that's the that's the top of the pyramid that's the that's the greatest thing that's why you know we you go see a sports event instead of watching people play golf on tv or watching us watching the a sports event on tv and when you're creative uh visiting pre presenting your work in person is 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 so awesome you know i don't think uh i don't think there's anything more what you want to call it more effective rewarding and then when you are a kid's author, um, you gotta, I mean, I have kids, but now they're in their twenties and uh, you got to, um, we gotta have actually see and interact with a real live kid. You know, you, th those, are the, those are the two pieces. You gotta stay 12 years old and you, or 10 years old and you, gotta, and you gotta talk to 10 year olds or interact with 10 year olds. Cause otherwise, you're, you know, you're relying on really great editors, but, uh, you know, you, you're, you're trying to create something that resonates with your audience. There's nothing, nothing worse than science fiction uh, created by someone who never doesn't read science fiction. I'm not, you know, you can just, it's like, wow, that was really great. And, uh, and, uh, okay, let's see, I'm going to pick on something. Uh, that movie, there was a version of The Hulk that was done and clearly whoever made that an earlier one and clearly whoever made it did not read comic books and you could Are just you talking tell. about the ang lee version probably i might be yeah it was like not the best one and i i mean i'm i'm not a, a a filmmaker so i can't totally dissect it but i would say the moment i went and saw that it's like this person has not read a comic book and it shows and that's true of um, uh, you know science fiction and, and, and other things. So, but going back to interacting with kids, reading other books and, uh, and, uh, and interacting with readers and writers and authors. And, and you know, uh, I'm particularly, you know, all over the place today, but just like, just the questions you're asking me, now I'm thinking about it. And you can really easily just go off in your own thing, which is another thing I hope we got to, we get to talk about. Uh, which is the, you know, the difference between, you know, I write a lot and, uh, or create a lot of stuff and, you know, there's stuff you do because, Hey, someone's gonna pay me to do this. Then there's stuff that you like that, Hey, oh my God, I can't believe it. I get paid to do this. And then there's the stuff that you really want to do and you're following your passion and maybe it's a terrible idea and you're not sure, or maybe it's going to be awesome and just you got to somehow stick to it and, and hopefully it'll get out there because you believed in it. And, and, and all that comes from interacting with the medium and interacting with the audience. Russell, um, esteemed audience, if, 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 you, if, you, if you haven't checked the bio, Russell is a composer. He's written between 100 and 150 books. Uh, you were part of Half-Life when you worked for Valve. We're going to talk about video games, all kinds of stuff. But I want to go back to this idea of when you're uh, when you're interacting uh, with kids at school visits or wherever you're at and you're harvesting their ideas. How do you go about that ethically? Um, yeah. Well, I will never, I'm not talking, I wouldn't totally steal uh, somebody's story idea because we all, because that's a, that's a cardinal sin. And also uh, you don't need to, 
you know, there's so many great ideas and it's all about execution. But, you know, in the case of, uh, so I did a, a, a series uh, called Samantha Spinner, and it's about uh, a girl who travels around the world and there's secret passages everywhere. And it's all about finding hidden buttons and doors. And the greatest thing, you know, you, you, I would present uh, to, to schools and libraries, including play, always play the theme song, uh, but uh, presenting uh, to schools and all the time, you know, because you're trying to get kids' imaginations going and, and it, get them engaged in your story. You know, I always say, what if that, what if that air vent, you know, what if you, you could push a button and a ladder came down and it took you to a high-speed monorail, you know, and that's, that, that's in the story. But so then kids are always like, oh, 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 you know, there's a there's a mailbox on my house. And I always thought that you could pull a lever on that. And there's a water slot, you know, and and kids just it's a great way to engage the audience. But every now and then, you know, some kid, this is the best one. And I haven't stolen it yet, but I'm going to uh, some I was in this private school in St. Louis. I cannot think of the name. And I did a little presentation. And afterwards, some uh, uh, girl came up to me and uh, and she said, and also, by the way, not as you know, nine out of 10 questions are, I have a cat. And then the teacher gets really mad. That's not a question. But, but uh, a kid came up to me and said, uh, you know, there's a museum where I live. And I'm like, that's nice. And they, she said, you know, and they have dollhouses. And I said, oh, that's great. And I think that's the end of the question. And then she said, well, what if you had to find the right dollhouse and rearrange the furniture in the dollhouse? And if you put all the chairs and tables in the right position, then something opened and there was a button. And I went, <gasps> we're going to do that. So I don't know. So that was great. And then the other, the other really important thing I got I mean, you know, this this goes into the the whole uh, philosophy of everything goes in the book. When you're an author, you've got to absorb, you you know, stuff just rattles around and everything or many, yeah, everything that you're interested in, you'll find a way to get it into your story. And uh, I remember uh, uh, a kid you know, I, I, there's a, there was a recurring character in, in, in my book series, the older sister, who's just awful. And, uh, she, her goal in life, she, she inherits $2.1 billion. And, uh, her goal is she's going to buy a unicorn. And I way overused her. I way overused her. She's too much in the book. And then, so I said, you know, you know, she's not going to be in book three in this series. You know, it's just, I just need to get back to the main characters and the plot because it's always fun to write the, 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 the maniacal villains. And, uh, and then uh, I went and I did a presentation at a, at a school and a girl immediately stood up and said, when Buffy finally finds her unicorns, what's she going to name them? And I said, oh. and that's how book three in the series starts. You know, the girl saying, mother, nobody uses adjectives to name unicorns anymore. Don't you know anything? You know, so, so those are examples of uh, just you get ideas, but also most important is you just see what kids are are interested in doing and and what's what 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 t-shirts they've they've chosen to to wear and 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 sometimes what what books they're they're lugging around while you're trying to get them to read your book uh, things like that. So so that's that's the real value. Other than you're given back, you are we are all in the business of of 
getting kids to still care about books or getting kids to want to be creative, actually. I think is it's more about the 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 book, but it's it's like being, you know, uh being creative. And you know, I, I consider myself uh an ambassador of um smart fun. You know, I want, I want if there's a single, single message or single, single two-point message that I always want to get out of my books is um it's it's okay to be silly and it's fun to be smart. Well, I would say the clock is ticking on the dollhouse idea because I've heard it now. I, and esteemed audience is, is listening. Isn't that a good one? Down, so if you're, if you're going to harvest that idea, I'd do it immediately. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a good one? Yeah. yeah. And of course, my next question is, Mr. Jens, I have a cap. <laughs> so, and, then, and then the teacher goes, Nolan, we've been over this a hundred times. That's not a question. <laughs> In fact, uh, you know, you never want to make people feel bad. You know, that is, that is, that's the prime directive. You know, I'm not there to make anybody feel bad. But sometimes like you're, you're uh, a school visit and everybody's coming and you're waiting for the one class that hasn't showed up yet or whatever. I sometimes go, okay, let's play a game, everyone. Let's play. That's not a question. And then I say, uh, how old are you? I have a cat and all the kids shout, that's not a question, but you got to be careful because no matter what, some kid is going to raise his or her hand and say, I've been to Peru and you don't want all the other kids to turn and scream at her. That's not a question. So, uh, but it's a great activity. And it's also, I get to be in on the joke because the thing that makes, that cracks me up about that's not a question when a kid raises his hand and says, I have a cat. And, uh, is that the teacher gets so angry. And I just think that is hilarious because it's like their entire, everything they've worked for has just been dem demonstrably invalidated because, you know, little Timmy didn't understand the difference between a, a statement. So you see a whole, the teacher tenses up and says, you know, Nolan, we've been over this 900 times. That's a statement. And I just think that's really funny. The tension, the tension. Anyways. I think one of the angriest I've ever saw my fifth grade teacher, we had a beekeeper come in and ever, all of us ask, how many times have you been stung? Have you ever been stung? Stall variations on, we don't care about how you're getting the honey. We don't care about how you take care of the bees. How many times have you been stung? And she was, she was just turning bright red in her face. Ask something else. Stop asking this question. And somebody would raise their hand like, you're not going to ask about being stung. No. Mr. Beekeeper, how many times have you been stung? <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, I a uh, long time ago, uh, uh, somebody introduced me to somebody, a, a couple, and they came over, and one of them was a magician. And he had, he was, but he was like a, a serious, crested, you know, serious magician. And he did corporate events and stage productions. And, you know, like a, he was a professional exist, uh, magician. And he was telling us how it, really annoys him that you know people when they hear oh you're a magician oh my kids would love you and you could tell it was beneath him and my thought is like don't be a magician because <laughs> <laughs> it, it just it's you know you you don't be a beekeeper and present at a school full of elementary kids and then be annoyed if someone's going to ask you if how many thousands of times 
have been, been stung. In fact, that's what things like that inspired me when I, I'm presenting um one, two, three scream. That's you know the the, the what that's my my latest book and what I'm when I go in and do uh school press author presentations. Uh I got the idea and I and I don't have it because you said please uh take the take the bells off the cat and, and don't have any noise. I went and bought a colossal uh seven foot diameter eyeball and uh, inflatable it's like it's designed for like i think shopping malls and halloween and uh and i just inflate that and it does all the work it does all the heavy lifting and uh because kids are like it's a giant eyeball and it just it's the greatest it's the greatest it, it, uh, it was a stroke of genius if i may ask if i may say so myself because it does it does all the work uh, as far as getting kids excited, engaged, telling them that this is going to be scary, sort of, and kind of funny, and uh, but most importantly, it's giant eyeball. So eyeballs kind of seem to be a, a theme with one, two, three screen. They're all over the uh, the beautifully illustrated cover. Thank uh, you. One, two, three screen dot com. Most of the icons are either ears or eyeballs. Yeah. So why why eyeballs? What uh was it was that a decision that was made while you were writing? When did you decide nope. eyeballs is how we're gonna is how we're gonna promote and what is it about eyeballs that that that, that but, uh well partly because I really, really don't didn't want this to be a Halloween story with pumpkins and bats and vampires. Like that's been the battle uh with telling people about explaining the book. You know, this is really meant to be like the Twilight Zone. Or, or, uh, but silly and fun, and uh, you know, so bats and pumpkins. I, I, I like. I do not do not put a bat on the cover. Do not put a a pumpkin on the cover of this or skeleton on this book because then it just gets lumped in. Uh, you know, it, it it it's just that much harder to get people to understand what you're trying to do. And uh, also, I thought, hey, I can own the eyeball. You know. Uh, you know, my goal is to, when you see a big giant eyeball, you know, it's like if you see a shield with a, with a star on it in a blue and white circle, you go, oh, Captain America. Anybody else does that? And it's Captain America, you know? And, uh, and so I, I figured, oh, there's, what a great brand item, own the eyeball. And there is something really funny about just one giant eyeball. And so that's, uh, and, and I think that was my, my inspiration for that. And also in the conceit in uh, one, two, three scream, you know, they don't show it, it's written from the fictitious vantage of uh, the author, uh, are you Gins, which is an excellent question. And uh, uh, we never show the author, you never show, even though it's written in the first person, the beginning and the end and the middle, there's a inner, there's some interludes. Uh, we don't, it's a very, it's a, there's a lot of illustrations uh, in the, it's a heavily illustrated book, but I, I said, okay, we don't ever want to show the author. And, uh, and then, so the eyeball, once again, is it's just a great way to, to, you know, do a shorthand for here he is, or here that, here that person is. In fact, my hope is that, uh, 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 if it makes it to, to video series, which, um, it's, you know, it's always out there as a possibility. Uh, I want it to be not a person who looks like me, but I would like it to be uh, a person who is very different from me, hopefully, and who hosts the uh, 
the the stories and uh once again the eyeball is a great way to to leave that wide open so why when when you've spoken at the um uh, the, the the library um of, of congress when you when you've been out promoting samantha spinner when you have an established brand as russell jens why do you want to be not an anonymous author but a but less present why why would you want an eyeball in, instead of you well probably a mistake that's one two uh i had the idea i wanted to create crazy stories that came from another character and by making it argugins it would sit on the shelf next to my other books you know because i'm russellgins and so it'd be right next to all my other books but as a different thing and that's why I, why i chose that uh but that said, my editor many years ago, like when I did Samantha Spinner, I wanted to do like a Lemony Snicket, make up a character that, and uh, she said, no, don't do it because I don't think Random House can pull that off. And uh, she was right. And uh, it was good advice. And uh, I probably should have stuck with it. But uh, for a funny little book of short horror stories, why not? Why not? Because it's just it's just kind of fun. And uh, because although I'm being all about the author now, I really want it to be all about the stories. And uh, and that was the other reason I wanted to make who the author is part of the story. So if you read the if you read one, two, three, scream right off the bat, you know, from the introduction, it you know, it's a big fat joke. And, uh, you know, the author is hiding somewhere and he's, he's only writing this book because he found out all these things that are really true. And you better, you shouldn't read these, but if you do, be careful. And so it sort of fit the, it fit what I'm trying to do. Uh, that said, it, everything is, in, especially in our uh, internet, social media uh, linked world, everything by, uh, by not cross you know not having it be another russell gins book it makes it just that you know there's just one more layer uh to to punch through so i do not recommend uh uh you you know writing another book under another fake name unless you're so popular like you know jk rowling or stephen king that you can do the bachman books and everybody knows and it doesn't matter uh but uh i think you know then there's because because it is the same audience now it's different when uh is it Max Brellier has like a different age group. So he writes under a different name and, uh, and uh, Daniel Handler was writing uh, books for a very, you know, much more mature audience, uh, you know, with sexual content. So uh, he, he used, didn't use Lemony Snicket, you know, so Lemony Snicket, which is such an, you know, but that's well executed. It's the perfect name. It is the book, you know, the, the whole Lemony Snicket piece of it. So it, so it works. But uh, I, I think unless you're just, that's your calling and you're going to stick with it like Mark Twain, uh, I, I don't think it's it, all it does is create some dissonance in a, in, uh, in, in a universe where we're just grasping for, you know, 0.2 seconds of someone's in, in, in attention before they, they move on, they swipe or they click or, or whatever. How's that? Makes sense. Um, I did wonder the uh, the author uh, tells us in, in four words the the, the four words that's it's four words which gives you a nice preview of the the humor that is to to, to follow uh, tells us that uh, he's typing with one index finger 
that's that's fictional, right? You didn't write 150 books. No, no, that's okay. In in uh, for for those of you who don't know, yeah, the, the introduction to the book is that the person is is right sitting on the floor of the potato chip aisle of a grocery store or in the library where the librarians are are afraid to ask him to leave, and uh, he's typing one word at a time, and it's just because it's funny, and uh, and I did the math, I did calculate how many keystrokes at the end. And uh, and uh, I I wonder if when it was get, went through the final copying editing if that number is completely wrong, but oh my goodness if somebody out there ever adult or kid or anyone ever said hey this is wrong there are one thousand nine hundred seventy eight uh, keystrokes in this book not two hundred four thousand and fifty two keystrokes I can't imagine anything better that somebody actually cared cared enough to check, you know. Well, you've written uh, under a number of names. You, you were Clyde Bosco, which absolutely tickled me because I, I, I was a child in the 90s and I remember the Nintendo Adventure books. So, oh, oh, I remember. Oh, right. oh, you have a friend for life. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I wrote as Clyde Bosco because I've always just loved the idea of, uh, of uh, big names. Also, I was working for a for a bunch of kid magazines. The magazines, for those of you who don't know, they were they were made out of paper and they were like web pages, but they were really slow and you couldn't you couldn't <laughs> click on them. Anyways, I worked I worked on a bunch of magazines. I worked on Electric Company and I worked on Sesame Street and I worked on the greatest of all, which was called Three Two One Contact. And I was it was my first job and I was so excited and I you know what. I get to make up puzzles. I get to wait, wait. You you want somebody to to go to space camp and come back and write a story about it? So I, I was just so excited that I was just doing lots and lots and lots of writing in this kids magazine, and uh, that it it got a little. It started to look like uh, a little weird, like by Russell Gins, by Russell Gins, by Russell Gins, by Russell Gins. In in a, in, a, in a you know as far as bylines go, and so I I started making up names. And uh, my my favorite is was I wrote a bunch of stories as uh, Kravis Winewater and Jacques Barnyard. I liked that one. And then uh, I did a bunch of Christmas uh, act uh, stories. And so I I published as Hans Shingle. Just, <laughs> but but which comes back to a central theme of being an author, which is you're entertaining yourself. You know, if you don't think it's fun. Or, or worthwhile or funny, nobody else is, or what's wrong with those people. And uh, so, uh, so mostly uh, like, like with the names, with the eyeball, uh, it's, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm having fun and I'm entertaining myself. And especially because a lot of what I write is, is humorous. I, uh, I'll, I crack myself up and my partner comes in and she's like, what's going on? Are you laughing at your own jokes? And I'm like, if I don't think it's really, really funny, nobody's going to think it's slightly funny. And, and I'm not saying all my jokes are really, really funny, but they wouldn't be funny at all if I didn't think they were funny. Um, and so that's, that's, that's where all this is coming from. So how do you, uh, we talked about uh, comedians before, and obviously you're not a comedian, but how do you test out your material? Do you have um, earlier beta readers who will come back and say, 
that joke didn't land for me. Like, do you get a certain number of people that nobody laughs at the joke? Like, well, I guess, I guess that one's just for me. So that's out. Uh, I do have beta readers, which is just, you know, a circle of friends, very small, uh, circle of friends. My, uh, my, my partner is a fantastic, she, she's a professor. She teaches, uh, uh, history at, at George Mason. She's not in the kids literature at all, but she, you know, we have a lot of people in our lives sure who are great, our beta readers. And, uh, so she, she, she's my first firewall. Uh, and then, uh, but I spent a lot of time with my intimate uh, group of friends saying, is this funny? Is this funny? And, uh, and so that's, that's where it comes from. And then the other thing is I'm just harvesting jokes, you know, that I've absorbed from all my favorite, you know, from the Pink Panther Strikes Again and, uh, and, uh, and everything that, you know, that I've seen and heard. And, and uh, you know, there's there's time-tested uh, comedy, but yeah, you have to, in a lot of different ways, uh, workshop it. But if, but it, uh, which makes me, uh, if, if I can get off the comedy part of it uh, for a second, uh, one thing that I thought I, I would want to share with you, you know, I, when I was sort of thinking about what, what, uh, what, what, you know, what can I bring to this conversation is, uh, I made this discovery when I was uh, in my second uh, Samantha book. Uh, there was an there's an app called um, Voice Dream, which I, I it, it's it's a text to speech thing. And I don't know. There's a lot of other ones, but there was something really good about it. You they it was a free app, and then it was selling you different voices for uh, you know four dollars a piece that you could you know then it would read your your document back. And I got in the habit, and I still do it now. Uh, uh, I, I, I bought two voices. One was like Josh, uh, an 11-year-old boy, and uh, Ella, uh, a 10-year-old girl. And so I, I write a chapter, and then I, I, I sit back either in the car or at night or whatever, and I have them read it back to me uh, in a kid's voice. And uh, it's fantastic, a uh, fantastic tool. Uh, and the other thing about it, especially with kids stuff is, you know, you can, as an author, and, and this is true, I, I assume with YA or, 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 or adult fiction, you know, you think of it, you know, you picture that, you know, Morgan Freeman's reading your book or, 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 uh, or somebody, you know, out loud, you know, when you, when you hear it in your head, you can easily picture it the best person, you know, Patrick Warburton delivering your, your prose. And uh, whereas a kid doesn't read that way. Most kids are, are reading, you know, uh, he went, he went to the, the door and he opened it and it, and it, you know, that's, that's how a lot of, especially with the younger kids and, and maybe I'm over, that's a little too uh, stumbling, but, but kids don't deliver it like they're on stage reading a monologue. Uh, and, because this software is a little chunky, you know, it doesn't sound like a robot, like, you know, Siri, I, I don't think it, you know, or, or Alexa, but, but it's a kid's voice, but every now and then it mispronounces a word or every now and then there's an unnatural pause or it reads through a, through a punctuation mark. And I think it's a fantastic tool because you get to hear exactly how a, one of your readers is going to take in your story. So I, I, uh, that's a, that's a great tool. I wanted to, as far as, you know, the equivalent of workshop and the joke, uh, I do that with all, all my, uh, 
on my my more serious substantial writing because you get to sort of go into how it how hopefully it is in someone's mind's eye it's a great tip unless you can arrange to just be there for every person who's ever reading your book and just look over their shoulder and like no read it this way not but if the that's same. not an option then this is probably the the better way to go <laughs> yeah yeah and uh yeah absolutely absolutely and then my other secret weapon is uh my mother uh she's in her 80s but she's a fantastic editor and she has zero experience or affinity for children's writing and literature whatsoever and so she's a great person to read something you know and she's my mom so you i have to sort of wade through the uh how'd you come up with this you know or wow you know but but once you get past that she's such a great resource for i don't get it what what just happened there um you know wait I, describe that better it, it's not clear because she's completely doesn't take in the you know the all the, the i would say the baggage of you've read a million kids books and picture books and stories and so that's a fa another fantastic resource for the actual craft of describing something uh and so that that's my other secret weapon so when you're uh, when you're drafting uh, and you're not doing the, the school visits what does your average work day look like what's a successful uh writing day successful writing day for me personally not to sound uh uh horrible is that I get anything done whatsoever. <laughs> I, uh, you know, some people uh, say, uh, um, you know, the hardest part of being a writer is staying in the chair. And especially because, you know, uh, you know, I do stuff, I, I, some of my books, I call them kitchen sink books, where you just, it's just full of stuff. And so I gotta go look, you know, there's the Hope Diamond. So I gotta go online and look up about the Hope Diamond and wait, I want them to get in a, in a you know in a pneumatic tube who invented the pneumatic tube and so i spend so much time you can go off into you know and, and that is just the distraction while you're actually or already started writing but i think it is so uh you know some people are so disciplined i am uh, it for me it's a it's a tremendous challenge i uh i've tried a lot of different things i actually spent a bunch of money once uh, a couple years ago Somebody came up with a, it was a little portable keyboard. I've already forgotten. It was like a something writer, something. It was like, it was a little laptop. It was almost a toy, but it had a really good keyboard and a little screen and it wasn't internet connected. And it was just, you know, for writing interrupted. I forget what it was called. It was a piece of junk and I wound up never using it. It was, you know, it, it sat on my desk and then I sold it on eBay, but it was the idea of just totally focusing on, on writing, and I know there's lots of functions built into your operating system, and I'm that Microsoft Word has shut up and write mode where you in, engage and it supposedly turns off, you know, distractions and emails. But that is without a doubt the my personal the hardest challenge. And I'm going to reference him one more later. That's why Stephen King is a god. You know, the idea that that he is you know for decades was disciplined enough. And you know, I, I, we all you know, uh, gets up in the morning, has breakfast with his family, and then goes sits in a room, which I assume is a very nice room in his in a very nice house, and just can just 
go into a trance, uh, you know, I think he's called it a hallucination, and just write X thousand words or, or, or for hours and hours. And then at some point in the afternoon, he gets up and spends the rest of his day encountering people who say, gosh, I, you must have this, you know, I wish I could write like you. And he must be thinking in his head, well, have you tried it? You know, so I, I, I think that, you know, that is, you know, he's a, and, and there's a, there's a bunch of people. I, I even have friends who can do that and uh, uh, who can just focus and do it. And I think part of it is the nature of what I write. And most of it is, you know, personal foibles, uh, you know, the way my brain is built. Uh, I can't, I, it is really hard. So for me, uh, writing is all about getting momentum. Uh, I, I don't know. It's like there's this, this, and I, and I, everything about when I'm actually doing the writing, it's all about getting, uh, getting momentum, you know, and then, so I have like, I always have like a candle. This is, you know, we all have different, different tricks. I have a candle and when I'm actually writing, I light the candle and there's days where I don't even, I don't even write, you know, I never get to that point, but at some point now I'm actually doing it. I'm actually writing words are appearing. They're, they're going on to the, they're leaving my fingers one at a time or 10 fingers at a time. And, and then I get to light that candle. Um, uh, I do have uh, like a target a thousand words a day. And I would say never uh, almost, unless I'm just really cranking. I just, uh, I, I don't always get there. And, and I mean, I have written more, but I would say on average, I'm between zero and 800 uh, a day, which is pathetic. And because uh, I'm sure if I had any discipline at all, I could do three times that. And um, uh, let's say one of my heroes, uh, uh, Louis Sacker, I remember reading, he uh, does, he said he, he writes 750 words a day. And that's his thing. And he always does it. Uh, and uh, I should be able to do that. It's sad that I don't. But uh, uh, I, I, I'm that type of a, I'm that type. Not everybody's that way. Uh, you know, there's, you know, the pantser versus the plotter. And uh, there's the word, there's the storyteller versus the word counter. Uh, or um, storyteller is not the right word. The, uh, I, I don't know. A chapter a day 150 books whatever you're doing it's working the books are getting are getting done <laughs> true true but some of those were books only have 75 words and uh so so yeah uh yeah you're right and uh um uh, yeah, but that that is without a doubt the hardest part, and I and I I bet that's I don't know if you struggle with that. I I bet a lot of authors. Uh, I work with a guy Jay Cooper. I don't know if you've ever had him on his show. He is a machine, he, like discipline, and I think it's because he comes out of the uh, the advertising industry or the you know the where you don't you you know it's it's going on Broadway on Saturday night, you, you can't sit around and say, oh, I never finished it. And, uh, but he can like say, I need to illustrate 12 pages by the time I'm getting on a plane. And by the time I get off this plane, I'm going to have 12 pages done and he can just do it. And, and I'm in awe of people like that. And um, I'm an extreme train wreck on the other side of that, that scale uh, where, you know, I got a million ideas 
and it's like, oh, please, can I just get some of this down? You know, I think, uh, and, and, it, and most of it, it's discipline. It's discipline and practice and it's easy, which goes back to, I did too many school visits because uh, that made it so much. I had this idea that I was gonna drive around and I was gonna visit a school and come home in the afternoon, write a chapter, go visit a school and that it's impossible, no way, can't do it. Or at least I can't. And, uh, I'm, uh, and so that, that, that's why I was saying, okay, that was the upside of COVID, which there was very little upside otherwise. I want to defend middle grade word count just a little because I, I have, have written and am writing uh, uh, an adult story currently and I've written uh, several middle grade books uh, like Rob Worms Bird Adventure available now with Steamed Audience. Um, but when I will, I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't hear you. Could you uh, say oh, that I said again? like uh, Rob Worms Bird Adventure, which uh, just came out last month. Pick up your copy of Steamed Audience. Um, but when I'm writing for adults, I have no problem getting between one and 2,000 uh, words a day, which is still going to make uh, like a Shauna McGuire is not going to be impressed by that. Uh, but when it's middle grade, I'm lucky to hit 500 consistently every day because those words, um, that real estate is so much more valuable. The story 100%. has to move so much faster. I can't spend a thousand words describing the house, the character, whatever else. The kids aren't going to have the patience for that. Uh, and so that does slow me down a little bit, just, just in defense of lower word counts when you're writing for children. Oh, I, I think that's a, that is a hundred percent true. I do a lot of writing. Like when I do nonfiction writing, it's not about word count. It's about, did you get what you need across? Cause a lot of, a lot of the stuff I do when I, uh, uh, you know, I've done a lot of, you know, books on dinosaurs and, and, you know, t you know teaching someone about space or whatever. And, uh, and that's different because it's not about, at least for me, it's not about creating something, seeing a scene in your head and trying to convey it and getting the right emotion across. So I would say 100%. It's, yeah, you, you have to make your real estate, your word count count when you're writing for younger, a younger audience. But also when you're writing a story with, you're, you're trying to convey characters, you're trying to convey something that doesn't exist, a get someone to share your hallucination and feel the way you want them to feel. And then every, I, I labor over every word and, and, uh, and, 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 and that's part of it. That's, 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 that's part of it. I think so. Uh, when I was saying before, I have a word count that uh, that's more than just getting myself the discipline uh, to get going on my own, own work. I think, um, I know uh, you probably a, a couple writers have said this, and I'm like, oh, I know exactly how you feel. It's like the more you want to do something, the harder it can be to do. And for somebody to say, yeah, I'm gonna pay you to write a story and print it and put it in front of a couple people, that to me is the greatest thing ever. And so it's hard to do it. Whereas you know, someone says here, write another, write ten facts about dinosaurs. And what life was like in the Pleistocene era, I can just crank that out, you know, because that's just, you know, and, and so that's the difference. So, so I guess when I was referring to word count in earlier, that was thinking about just motivating, get discipline and motivating. Uh, but then, you know, partly because I took, you know, I'm a songwriter uh, as well, then I, I get the stuff down and then I push it around forever. 
you know, and craft it. Because like you said, you you only have, whether it's a song or a junior story or a middle grade novel, you know, every word is is really important because you're trying to hold someone, you know, uh, to, to what you, to get them to see what you're seeing. You had mentioned uh, Stephen King before we get too far away from that. Something I, I was curious, you, you said that uh, Firestarter saved you? Oh, yeah, this is a story. See, because I don't get to, I'm really excited I get to, to tell this story because I don't, this is something I would never tell like in a school or, or because it's, it's, but I always say this is the power of a story of literature. I, I'm, I'm really excited. Thank you. Because I'm, I'm glad I remember this. This is a 100% true story. Uh, about 15 years ago, I got, uh, I got a little sick and I got a really bad case of vertigo. And, uh, you know, where you're just really dizzy. It was awful. Came out of nowhere. And, uh, and I was really sick. And eventually, uh, doctors prescribed to me uh, a medicine for it. And I started taking it. And it was great. And this was back, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully we're doing a little better about getting people to stop taking, taking uh, medicine. You know, like, you know, that's, we have this horrendous uh, opioid disaster because people were just giving you, oh, your tooth hurts, here's a bucket of pills. And, and you, you wind up taking three and then you have a medicine cabinet full of a thousand pills. And uh, anyways, so they gave me some medicine and, uh, and I took it and it helped. And then I couldn't stop taking it. You know, it was hard. And, and like I said, there's, lot, there's lots of safeguards to getting medicine, but not a lot of safeguards to to stop. Now I think they're, they've solved the problem because they're not only making it harder to get it, but uh, giving you less of it. There's a point here in this rambling, this story is so, so I was starting to get hooked on this medicine. And I started thinking about when I was in, maybe I was 12, maybe 11 or 12, I read Firestarter. And in the story Firestarter, this was my train of thought while I was lying there, you know, completely uh, struggling with uh, drugs I couldn't stop taking, uh, or I was just starting. I was, it wasn't a severe addiction where you need treatment and everything. This was, I was just starting to feel bad when I didn't take this medicine that the doctor prescribed. So I started thinking about the story Firestarter by Stephen King, in which the bad guys abduct, they're trying to catch control the girl. So they abduct her dad and they throw him in a, in a, in an institution and uh, get him hooked on taking medicine, you know, to, to break his will. This is in the book Firestarter. It might be in the movie. I, I, I forget, but in the, he, he describes it really well in the, in the book, he, you know, cause the person comes around twice, a, the, the orderly comes around three times a day, sure that he's taking the, the medicine cause they're keeping him in a, in a stupor and he starts breaking the pills in half. And so they see him take the medicine and then he hides, gets rid of the other half of the pill. And so I was struggling and I started, whatever, I started thinking about, and, and I was, again, I want to, 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 to stress, I was just slightly struggling. Uh, uh, anyways, I started breaking the pills in half and I got off. I didn't go down into this route of, of, of addiction because of a horror story by Stephen King. And uh, so there you go. So I'm, I'm, I, uh, so where I'm going with this, in addition to all the other things we talk about, 
you know, stories are awesome. Fictional characters and their world really are real and they really can affect you in real ways. And so in addition to that guy being a machine, a disciplined person who can write for a, a huge number of hours and, and get his work done, which again, puts him in a, a, uh, a, in a class that there are some people but I am not one of them. Uh, but in addition, uh, you know, he wrote a story that I that really had a major positive impact on me. And so I can't tell you that um, there's anything in uh, one, two, three, scream that is going to save your life. Although you should be wary of robots. Uh, uh, so maybe that's my that's my gift to future readers of the world that somebody out there uh, in. Uh, 20 years or 10 years is going to be faced with a horrible decision of whether or not to activate a computer or a robot. And maybe because they read one of the stories in one, two, three scream, they're going to not push that button. And, uh, and I will have given back to the world through my literature. These are one of the great advantages of, there's so many great advantages for, for readers, but you do pick up lots of little information. It just stays there in the back of your head. Uh, and you never know when it's going to come in handy. If Maybe it's something that could save your life. Maybe it's just as much as having a clever anecdote with the right person at the right party. You could look. Oh, absolutely. Somebody you want to impress because you read and you had the information. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, that, this, this goes into the, you know, with the, the demise of the bookstore and physical book and non-branded reading and the book as a, as a, 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 you know, now book has to compete with so many other things like video games and uh, the, and, and, you know, con eternal chain of, of blockbuster movies that you can mainline, you know, 24 hours a day. I wonder if, you know, we, that's, that's one of the things that, that is going to be fewer and far between that, you know, if you're of a certain age and you're talking about something and I go, everybody knows that's Donald Sutherland from uh, everybody you want to get, you know, Donald Sutherland from Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Do you remember that, that horrible scene? Or, or it could be, you know, someone could say, how was your, how was your trip? And I say, oh, it was like William Shatner on that airplane. There was a, something on the, I, I swear there was some monster on the wing. You know, we have this great shorthand and, and I wonder, or I worry, you know, there's not, there, you know, uh, games, immersive games are awesome. And, you know, 47, are we up to 62 Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, shows? They are great, but I wonder if we're gonna, we're gonna lose, since everything is just uh, legacy branding is the goal. I wonder if we're going to lose a little bit of, you know, ideas that we can share or favorite little things, because, you know, it's not, it's not a great, unique idea, personal idea to say, I think baby Yoda is cute, you know? And uh, so, so I wonder if we'll lose a little bit of, of, of what stories can, can share, you know, you know, it's, it's like I said, you're not going to connect at a party somebody and they can say oh yeah wow you think baby yoda is cute wow we are really special people whereas you know i'm sure i could mention something from a book that you liked and i liked or a story or a song uh, or, or you know and we could really connect 
and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and that's one of the great things about stories and characters that aren't a colossal big brand. Well, anecdotally, I was um, with some students not that long ago, and I do feel that, that Baby Yoda is, is indeed adorable. Um, but um, they were, we were, I was uh, giving them instructions. I was a substitute teaching and I'm giving them instructions. Uh, and they got it and then I smiled at them. I said, this is the way. And they're, they big old smile across there. And yes, this is the way. Oh, so we did, we did have that. Uh, that's uh, the Mandalorian, I feel is almost like a sub brand within the larger brand. And I feel that we're coming to a time where there might be Star Wars fans who don't really know who Luke Skywalker is because we'll have moved so far past that. Maybe, maybe not Luke Skywalker, but maybe, I don't know, maybe one of the, one of the original trilogy characters that will have gotten so far away from that they won't know who that is. They'll be, they'll be within their own sub sub genre of, of Star Wars that might be in our future. Sure. And, um, and there's nothing bad about that, but, but when everything has to be created to, you know, a movie has to make a billion dollars or it's considered a failure. So you're, it, it's not just lowest common denominator. You know that that's that's not that's a different problem, and 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 that's not what we're talking about. But it's like everything has to be so big and so massive. You know, it's not. And and maybe picking on on Baby Yoda wasn't the, wasn't the perfect example, but <laughs> but you know, it's not. And you got my dandruff. Don't you pick up Baby Yoda? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but but um, I, I I just wonder if if does it it does it push out all the other creative, funny, scary, uh, idealistic notions that you can, that, that, that you can get, like, we're not, and again, I'm not a Luddite. I'm not again. I mean, I, I love, uh, you know, digital media and games and, 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 and movies and songs and stuff, but, but there is a unique intimacy with a story, a book, of course, but even just a, a thoughtful story that is a great way to connect with your audience and then other people. You know, if, if I like something and you like something and we, you, it becomes a shorthand uh, for something. And, 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 I'm, and I'm wondering is there's just so many more books and there's so much more media and that, that, it, it, that it gets harder to, you know, the odds of connecting over that stuff. Because like, you know, we connect, you know, let's say you and I both liked Fortnite, we can play Fortnite, but, you know, we're never going to say, oh, that, that red umbrella in Fortnite, wow, wasn't that awesome when we both, get, when we got that, you know, it's, it, it could be because you've each got an achievement, but it's just not the same as if you liked the book holes and I liked the book holes and that moment when you realize that, you know, the kissing bandit was her, you know, and, you know, there, there isn't as much room for the, or there isn't as many places where I see that happen with this mass, mass media blockbusterization. And, uh, you know, and so that's the downside of everything has to be a reboot and uh, everything has to be like a, a, a movie can't, you know, Disney can't make a movie now unless there's this plan to have it be epic. You know, it's very, there's exceptions, 
but there's few and far between opportunities uh, for a major release, you know, unless it's plugged into some bigger, bigger world. You know, you know, and again, there there are exceptions, but I but I, I do worry on uh, that the the idea of something like you know I'm thinking of something that that came out of nowhere and was successful, Shel Silverstein or or Harry Potter or, or uh, could those? Ha- it's a lot harder for that to happen, uh, I think, uh, because it it's not just and it never was. But less than ever before, is it, 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 it is something going to reach somebody's hands? Unless you know it either resonates, uh, magic. You know, the magic can happen. The lightning in a bottle can happen. But I think there, you know, everything has a marketing plan and a social media plan. And uh, you know, your you know your publisher wants you to tweet this out. And like uh, you know, I'm sure you have authors. Uh, on, uh, I've seen on on the Middle Grade Ninja podcast, and they have a social media marketer. And uh, otherwise, you know, it wouldn't be you know uh, you're not connecting with who's meant to connect. So, so I think that's a that's that's a big change that we have to adjust to, you know. And uh, and I was going to, at the end of this discussion, one of the things that I don't ever discuss with librarians and kids and teachers is the demise of the physical book. I mean, it's, it's there. It, I, I worry that it's dying, the physical book. Stories are not dying. Well, we, we've gone, I'm, I'm freelancing, I'm freelancing here. Uh, stories are not dying. Characters are not dying. Adventures and worlds are not dying. But the idea of a ground up uh, tree pressed into rectangles uh, is, is not, it, it will be around, but it will never be the focus of, of or, or will rarely be the focus of, of a, a, a cultural phenomenon or a group storytelling the way it, it was because books, when you were a kid, when you were your reader's age, um, books were what you did when you couldn't talk with a friend, play a game or watch a show. And, uh, and uh, now you can, always watch a show, communicate with a friend or play a game 24 hours a day. And between 20 and 30% of all tween and teenager jurors uh, are 24 hours a day, every mo- waking moment or, or what, 16 or 18 hours a day are using uh, technology to communicate with friends, play a game or watch a show. And then, so that displaces the, what a book, was and you know there's are there where are the books you know there's less bookstores there's less libraries and so I'm I am pessimistic whatever the word is bearish I am bearish on the physical book again I'm bullish on characters and sto- we're in a golden age of storytelling uh, pe- readers and audiences are more sophisticated uh, than ever before but the physical book is is uh, is transitioning to be, um, I think, like candles, I think is, is, is probably a really good analogy uh, in that, um, and this is world according to me, just to be clear. Uh, but I, I really believe that, you know, starting in 1910, 1920, candles were no longer necessary, where candles, you needed a candle if after 5 p.m. you wanted to play a game or watch a show 
or communicate or do anything. And then the light bulb came and you no longer, candles were no longer required. However, here we are in 20, is it still 2022? Uh, in 2022, you still have candles. They are for celebrations, they're for ambiance, they're for decoration, they're for rituals, and they're for fun. And, and uh, so candles are still here, but the role has transformed. And in addition, there's every major store, Target, Walmart, you know, uh, what, what, who am I, who's the other one I'm missing? They have a whole row of candles. There's a candle section and you're so, so candles haven't gone away, but they have definitely the role they play, where they are in people's lives have changed. And I feel the physical, you know, the, the book book, uh, for example, Samantha Spinner and the Super Secret Plans by Russell Ginz in its physical book form, I think uh, is, is on its way, whether you want to say they're on their way out, they're definitely, they're, they're current or tradition, what we've been thinking for decades of what a book is, is certainly diminished. Um, but stories and characters and plots are, are definitely bigger than ever. And like I said, we're, there's, a, there's infinite garbage but there's also, we're in a golden age of storytelling in more great stuff than ever before. And, uh, and uh, that's, that's what I think about when I talk about the demise or decline or the evaporation of the physical book. Um, and while I'm continuing on with this line of thought, the one thing that I do kind of thing that we are gonna lose is the intimacy with the, the not just the certainly intimacy with the physical object connection with the physical object and um just in the the intimacy with the material that probably comes with it is also diminished and by that i mean there is there is not the same you can say that i, I don't want to say there's no substitution but curling up with you know you like this book and you carry it around and you have a physical attachment to something like one, two, three scream by are you Gins that you can find out about it. One, two, three scream.com. But it, there's a physical, um, there's a physical, uh, the same thing with records. There's the mysterious perseverance of vinyl, but not counting that, you know, that I think, uh, you know, we're not it, it, in some ways it's better for the planet that we are, not as connected to physical things, you know, as everything more and more, all media and our time and our attention goes to digital. But I do kind of already miss uh, the wide swath of people who are attached to a book. You know, my most pessimistic friend said, oh, they had a good run, you know, uh, books, you know, and, and again, not writing, not authoring, not storytelling, but the, but the idea of someone you know, a, a physical printed book, you know, really gained steam in the 20th century. And I believe we're reaching, we're, we're reaching, we're transitioning to a new phase. So like books will still, physical books, sometimes I've heard teachers and kids call them book books. Have you ever, have you heard that? Hey, you make, here's a, hand me that book book. And, uh, and I, I think uh, we're definitely, you know, transitioning to, you know, stories, authors, worlds uh, will persist, but the idea that everybody 
was just, it was a thing. It was taken for granted. It was poor that if you said, I'm a, I, I'm going to read a story. Uh, or you know, if you said, you know, noon, uh, what comes into your mind, not the bad movie uh, the, the with, or the good movie, uh, but like you, you pictured a book. And I think that is now uh, uh, just, that's just one piece of it. You know, uh, so I, I see that that really clear, especially with kids. And there's there's good about that, and that there's a lot more ways to reach people, a lot more ways to engage people. But the bad of it is, it, you know, you're competing. Uh, you know, the, the, there are kids who will never touch a book or never read. So you gotta, you know. And so when I back at the beginning of this this talk when I was saying how, when you're an author and you visit kids and go to books, you know, you're, you're an ambassador, you're, you're promoting the idea of books. And uh, you, like, there's, there's definitely times in, the, in uh, this year uh, where I've definitely like talked to audiences because I go to schools and it's fun and there's a giant eyeball and, uh, and uh, where, you know, I'm promoting my books and then kids get excited and they're going to read my books and they're going to read, hopefully read your book, books and read other people's books and, and it'll, it'll, it'll turn them on. But you can definitely, definitely sense that, you know, post COVID or just even if forgetting COVID just in the year 2022, soon to be 2023, uh, there's kids who have just never touched a book um, other than, you know, when they've had to. And, uh, and now I'm gonna to segue to one of the things I've been telling people for the last couple of years, they say, why are you doing middle grade? You know, uh, it, because uh, I definitely have felt, you know, for the, the, the last many, several years of my career uh, is uh, middle grade is the last time that a lot of kids are gonna read a book for pleasure. I really see it. I'm, I'm sorry this is so unfun, uh, but to talk about, it, but I, you know, when I go to a, uh, like I said uh, earlier, you're a hero and it's a party and I've already won because among other things, every parent who cares about their kid is delighted that their kid, it doesn't matter what the book is. It could even be something as, as questionable as one, two, three, scream by are you Gins that you could find out about at 123scream.com? But, but, but every parent, what parent won't buy their kid any book they want because it's so good and so valuable. And, um, but, but it's, it's definitely, I feel like I'm an ambassador to that. Um, anyways. Well, um, I don't have uh, answers. I, I wish I did. I'm a bit of a heretic because I love my Kindle. I love having all my books right there and something that's easy as well. I love having them on my phone. So if I'm in line at the grocery or wherever, I can pull out my book and I'm, I, I didn't have to bring a, a, a clunky paperback into the place with me. I love having all of my audio books right there on my phone with me. So like I say, a bit, bit of a heretic, but I also love bookstores. I love the community, uh, the communal experience of going and meeting with other readers. I think all of that is fantastic. Um, I think I think bookstores are still going to continue to have a place in our community. But if I were to give you, um, Mr. Jens, author of uh, between 100 and 150 books, if I were to give you a magic wand and say, fix this, what's the one thing you think 
you could do if you had, uh, I don't know, one wish, one, 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 one swirl of your magic wand. How would you reverse this trend? How would you make uh, our, how would you preserve our, our, our literary heritage? Okay. Well, one is you can't fix it. It's a trend. It's the way things are going. I, I think with certainty, the only thing I know is 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 100 years from now, people will not be using technology less. You know, technology changes, but we are on a path of screens, more and more and more screens until screens are embedded in our in our eyeballs and our butts and our oh, elbows, excuse me, our elbows and our butts and our eyeballs. Uh, but it's just, it's an evolutionary thing and uh, we're riding it out. So you mentioned Kindle, uh, that's, that's a great solution because it's harder and less practical to, to carry a book and it gives you access, but you grew up with books and it was a great solution. I don't know the numbers. I don't know if a significant number of kids are reading EPUBs. I think some are, I, I, I can't, you know, I can look at my own numbers. I think it, you know, when, when I come out with a book and you look at the sales, I think it's a very, you know, what percentage of, of people who bought uh, uh, your books, it, it's probably a two, 3% maybe. Uh, but I, I think uh, it's almost like a legacy thing. We want kids to read and interact with words. Now, audiobooks are booming. What's the difference? I'm not sure. What's the difference between a, a structured podcast and an audiobook? Now, this is a conversation. This is a podcast, but there's a lot of you know drama, audio drama, and it's it sort of that blurs the blurs the line. So again, it's it's that reading the words and the depth of the imagination that comes from that. I feel is kind of la it, it, it being diminished. That that's actually the biggest loss because yeah I I my uh, you know a lot of people have listened to uh, mine or, or other yours or other people's books on, as audio books are, are yours available on audio books uh -huh. they sure yeah. are. and it's awesome more at middlegradeninja.com <laughs> yeah exactly and uh, uh, and, uh, and and a good reader like I have an awesome narrator for one two three scream which you can find out by clicking on one of the ears, not the eyeballs, but one of the ears at 123scream.com. Uh, and it's fantastic. And in no way is that diminished in any way, the storytelling, you know, I mean, sometimes people have to, to, to promote that and say, you know, audiobooks are real books, but they are, it's stories. But I do feel that for a lot of people, the, um, the act of reading those printed words and going off into the, theater of the mind is a, is such a great thing. It's just like uh, stage plays, you know, stage theater. The theater still exists. And there is something unique about plunking down in a seat and looking through the proscenium arch. And you know that in the real world, people don't break into song. Alexander Hamilton didn't rap. And, you know, people don't bear their souls in a monologue that is exquisitely crafted and paused with maximum impact, uh, you know, at the moment before something fateful happens. But that's, it's, it's such a, a unique, wonderful experience. And I do think that reading, you know, a best choice of words, uh, you know, that really connects, uh, you know, in a book, in the printed form, 
either Kindle or ground up tree pulp. Uh, that to me is the same. Um, but even that is different from an audiobook. And I have a good example just popped into my head because I was just talking uh, to a friend yesterday about uh, have you ever read or listened to The Princess Bride, which is just so great. It's like the, it's it's one of the best best books ever written. And uh, we were listening to it on audiobook, and it's great. Uh, I read it. It was Rob Reiner was reading it. And so it was like, it was just the greatest audio uh, book experience I've had in a while. And here's my, my point is one of the things, you know, cause I'm looking at, in addition to the enjoying the story, I'm, I'm appreciating the craft. And one of the things he does in the book is there's characters whose names slowly evolve how they're referred to. So first it's like the man in black stomped across the, 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 the field. And then later on, it's the Spaniard. He turned to the Spaniard and then slowly and very carefully and quickly, it's Inigo Montoya, you know, the character in the book. And it's so well-crafted. And I remember I was listening to it with my, my partner and we rewound it a chapter to hear how he did it. Over the course of a chapter, he transformed how this character is referred to. And it was like master writing. It was master craftsman person, you know, it was just high art, let's say. And um, because it was an audio book, we took the trouble, you know, to, um, hit, wait, stop, pause, wait, hold on a minute. And I think we were driving, so I probably endangered us. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> but we went through the trouble because it was so well done, we rewound to hear that two sentences over again. Whereas you'll do that, but you won't do that a lot. And when you read a book, even something as, as light as 123 Scream by R.U. Gins, which you can find out more about in, at 123scream.com. Even that, if you like something, you stay on it. You read it over again. You look at the, you look at the picture and see if the picture, and it makes you smile or laugh. And that's what we're losing. That Because you can do it a little. But you can rewind or watch something over again. But it's not the same as sitting there and living with the language and living with the words. So um, that's that's what, if I had that magic wand, I would look for ways to get people to uh, really savor that part of it. Now, great stuff. Like, I, I don't know if I recently rewatched uh, Ted Lasso, which is, a plus. I'm sorry. If you don't think it's at least good, I don't know what's wrong with you. Anyways, but like, so I rewatched Ted Lasso and it's not just, it's a great script. It's a great character. It's great costumes. It's great music. It's great at filmed editing. So there's, there's all sorts of depth as rich as any, any story uh, could be. But even then you, you, it moves along and, and you can catch something. Sometimes I'll turn to my friend and I'll say, hey, did you notice how, how the music did that? But it's, it's not quite the same as when you're reading a book and a character. I don't know if you ever had the experience where you really got engrossed in a book and you slow down because you want to enjoy it. You want to live with that because you know, you're, you're, oh, there's only 75 pages left and you just want it to, and you want, and, and you don't get that in other mediums. That said, how would you fix it? 
I think mediums are going to involve. And so uh, when you say, what are you working on now, uh, Russell? Uh, I'm, among other things, I'm looking and exploring other, uh, other ways of storytelling. Not a crazy new, I'm not inventing things, but, um, but, but looking at video and vertical video and, and text and audiobooks in, in, in trying to, to uh, look, look at ways to engage the reader as, as much as I can. I think, um, wow, this is, the, this is a long, long answer, but I actually am optimistic about games and interactivity that we're going to get there. But right now, and I'm a guy who's worked a little bit on, you know, immersive uh, first-person shooters and, and certainly played tons of, tons of games. Even the densest story, like, would it be like, hey, something like Bioshock or, you know, some of these games that have a really a lot of content and a lot of dialogue. And certainly all it is, is an infinite amount of, or near infinite amount of visual art uh, uh, chained together with the interactivity. Um, it doesn't have that much depth of story. Even, 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 you know, I picked Bioshock. I'm sure you could come up with some other one where there's a real story and a whole world they've built, but even so. One and two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they're great, but it's not how much care really let's be honest there's character development and there's surprises and plot twists and turns but you're not growing and learning with the character it's it's wafer thin it's wafer thin even the best richest now you can have a rich visual world i'm sounding like a luddite no what i'm saying is it's not here yet and I don't mean the immersiveness, like uh, the Oculus and stuff, which is also coming. So games are going to get better and better until people will argue whether or not we're living in a simulation or whether it's real. But really, what I'm saying is we have so far to go as far as storytelling. So even Red, Dem Red Dead Redemption is not much, I mean, for something that you spend easily 800 hours if you watched an 800-hour movie, uh, or, or excuse me, an 80,000-page book, um, you would say uh, it's not much of a character arc. There's some, but it's it's there. You know, it, it's at best it's a spaghetti western's amount of uh, of of characters, and you know, whereas your favorite book, the character is real. You know, I think uh, you know you learn, you, you meet new characters and you get involved in their lives. And it's like, oh, I can't believe he said that. Or, you know, that's what makes a story good is like, and not just plot, you know, and a plot is, it, it, to, go, to go back to being a writer, plot is a means to the character. You know, it's all about characters. What's Star Trek about? It's not about space. It's about Kirk and Spock, you know, and they're, and they're, and they're uh, interacting with each other. And, uh, and and so I think where we are in the year 2022, as far as the most amazing immersive games and stuff, as far as storytelling goes, it's we've just barely scratched the surface. So going back to, I don't know, an hour and a half ago when you asked me what <laughs> I would do to fix that is I look forward to um, when the interactive experiences are more than just making choices or, or, or problem solving and that reward you with revealing a new 
uh, step in a in a story. We're not there yet much. And uh, in fact, you mentioned at the beginning of, of our conversation, I, I worked on some choose your own adventure books and I can't stand working on them anymore. They're great. I love them, but I don't want to do them because it's like, I, I always say, because people all the time ask me, hey, you want to do an interactive branching thing? And, and the problem is, no, I would rather write one good story than, you know, a story that you have to, that have 16 versions that you have to wade through and people are only going to, you know, see seven of them. And uh, so uh, I, 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 I think what's going to happen is as we move quickly from book, physical books and printed page uh, into where this is going, the uh, total immersive and interactive or casual viewing that you can mainline uh, is people exploring ways to uh, tell richer stories. And that's way behind. That's, you know, we, we're, way, we're making amazing strides in numbers of polygons and and depth of interactivity and and visualization whereas storytelling you know people are going to invent things that that didn't you know exist you know before oklahoma or hamilton or star wars you know people could had maybe star wars doesn't count because that was all about great visual the stories but uh alien uh nobody had told a story that compelling you know up until that point, it, that type of a, I mean, there's been great horror, but that was like somebody took a new, uh, a current uh, genre and really, you know, did everything, the characters, the story, the plot and the pacing. And I don't, we're not near that yet in current and in the new emerging mediums. And so I look forward to it. I hope to contribute to it in small and minor uh, commercially successful ways, but um, that's my extended answer to your simple question about the magic wand. Gotcha. Well, I might, again, I'm a, I'm a heretic, but for me, A Nice Friday Night is an audio book and an Assassin's Creed game because you you hear that little bit of the story and then you're just wandering around assassinating people and you don't need to hear the game. You can enjoy the story while you're doing something with your hands so you can have the best of both worlds. But I do wonder, um, given, given that you... you that, that you're concerned that we're going to be seeing the end of the, the physical book. Have you considered pivoting? I know you're looking for new types of, of stories. Are, are you considering pivoting away from books, maybe not all together, but pivoting more toward uh, maybe another video game or, or some other type of interaction? A absolutely. I mean, I'm continuing uh, with books. Uh, I'm, I've got a graphic novel series coming out next, uh, The Adventures of Super Atomic Wombat Girl and Pang. Or pangolin sidekick uh, that's coming out. So graphic novels. So I'm I'm sticking and hopefully a four five six scream. I'm I'm uh, I'm hoping that 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 comes out. Uh, depending on how many people support one two three scream. Uh, uh, but uh, absolutely, I'm I have a passion project I'm working on right now. When I talk about you know the passion project being there's the stuff that someone will pay to make stuff that you really just, what a gift it is that someone is paying you to get out there. And then there's the project that you just believe in and uh, and whether or not other people think it's a great idea and you hope it 
you're you're not insane and uh, that it finds an audience. So I, I'm, I'm actually working on a story uh, told in vertical video and text, sort of I, I made up a format. I'm calling it Ultagraphic Adventures because it's sort of in between uh, a podcast audio, a podcast and audio book and a graphic novel with lots of animated text. And I'm really, you know, jumping on that trend. Well, well ju not just jumping on that trend, but exploring ways to tell a rich story in short videos with text and a little bit of graphics, uh, just like graphic novels led the way to some really amazing things. So I have a story called Rescue, and it's the adventures of a three-legged robot dog who's left behind on Mars. And it... Uh, I got the 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 idea for it a, a couple ways. One is I spend a lot of time with these dogs, and uh, and I've been learning a lot about them. And uh, so that that was one thing. And so when I started looking at you know the rise of TikTok and the TikTokization of all other platforms and storytelling, um, I started thinking like, what's a story? What's a point of view? Who's a character that mirrors short little videos? And I thought. A robot dog, and so that's that's my my next big project after uh, the graphic novels and and hopefully four five six scream uh, is called rescue and it's uh, interact not uh, in, semi interactive uh, uh, ultra graphic animated text based audio based stories about a robot dog. So this has been just a, a tremendous conversation. I appreciate you, you being so generous with your time. Um, my final question for you, as I always try to end on some variation of, if you could go back toward the beginning of your career, middle of your career, mm -hmm. where would be useful? And give yourself some advice that would have made your path easier and might make easier the paths of everyone who's watching or listening to us right now. What would you go back and tell yourself? Um, two, two things. One, I would say learn about process of how something becomes out there, you know, because like you could sit in a cabin in the woods and write uh, a screenplay or design a skyscraper and it could be absolutely awesome, but you have to learn about how you submit, a how you find an, an agent and how you query an agent and and how you you talk work with an agent and listen and don't do this and don't, you know you have to learn the process of how an idea becomes a book and and you can get totally bogged down in you know something about characters arcs and save the cat and blah 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 uh, that that's kind of important but learning how the industry works you know uh, whenever somebody talks to me and they say Oh yeah, yeah, blah blah blah. Saturday morning cartoons, blah 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 blah. I know immediately that this person does not know what how things work now because there are no Saturday morning cartoons. And maybe that's not a good example. That the best thing, but but so my going back is I would love to have paid more attention or somebody taught me uh, more about if you want to be an author, this is what you do. These are the steps and there weren't all the resources that there are today. Like if I wanna write a book, if I wanna find an agent, if I wanna publish a book, if I wanna promote a book, there is so much stuff online and including this podcast uh, that you could really hear and learn a lot about. And I wish I had spent more time uh, uh, doing, doing that stuff. 
and uh, I, I think I think that is that is something you can really take advantage of, and uh, and then don't get dis the other thing I would say is don't get distracted by the not just the shiny object but the the current trend like I am I'm a skeptic about the metaverse for example and I was a skeptic uh, you know in that uh you know if you want to tell stories and say I'm going to tell stories in the metaverse you could you could spend a whole lot of time working on something that that fizzles out gosh I remember when um Webkins and Club Penguin and what was the other real big one at the same time? Club Penguin, Wegmans, Club Penguin, oh, and Pop Tropica. When those three things hit, thousands and thousands of people were working on creative and stories and stuff. And then 3D immersive or 2D immersive world for kids just went away. And now if you made a story or told something that had to work in that platform, uh, 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 you, it would be really hard to, to share that. So focus on stories, focus on characters, focus on things that people want to find out what happened next, as opposed to the format, which is why I was sort of uh, picking on uh, choose your own adventure things. You know, the medium, that, that's the medium. There will always be hot mediums. Uh, in fact, and I know I'm dragging this out, Samantha Spinner series, we spent, uh, we spent a lot of time, uh, uh, Netflix uh, was really interested in optioning it. And we spent a huge, uh, my agent and I spent a week in California and meeting and phone calls with different production companies. And they were really hell bent on, they wanted to do a branching, it was going to be an interactive branching story like Bandersnatch. I don't know if you, you saw Bandersnatch. It was an episode of Black Mirror that you made choices. And it was for a moment in time, the future of future of entertainment and it was a bunch of garbage but or excuse me it was not very well executed and not very compelling why because it didn't have a great story it didn't have great characters it didn't have a plot that you cared about you oh that was kind of cool i got to make a choice but you know you lost interest pretty quickly and my point there is always find focus on what characters people care about what are what what what's the world that people wish they could live in or want to know what's going to happen? What's the major dramatic question? Those are the most important things, as opposed to you know uh, just a, a clever idea or a or, or the platform of the day. I think that's the perfect note to end on. Audience, can we find you online? Follow you on social media and all that good stuff. Well, I think if I were you. And I wanted to know more about the terrifying, hilarious, hilarifying stories of One Two Three Scream, or this guy. I would go to One uh, Two Three Scream dot com, and that that's the greatest starting point. And uh, like I said, by the time this video comes out, uh, uh, this pod excuse me, this podcast comes out, I'm going to have a One Two Three Scream YouTube Shorts uh, channel and uh, and all sorts of. Uh, funny uh, TikToks and uh, relaunching a one, two, three scream uh, Instagram as well. Hi, and as always, esteemed audience, for more interviews almost as good as this one, head to middlegradeninja.com. And as always, God willing, I'm alive. I'll see you next week.